0: So I'd like to um, um, thank the church, and Dennis, and and Camper, and Kathy, and Jennifer, and uh, Cindy, and everybody else that was involved in this last weekend uh, we had here. Um, We had a a workshop weekend uh, for See Jesus. Uh, And what we were doing is training uh, apprentices for Jesus, for See Jesus Ministry, and trainers uh, who will come alongside the, the local churches and uh, go out into outreach in the community to teach our material, interactive Bible study material. And um, so I'd like to just um, build on, on that weekend. Most of you I know were not there. But I'm, I'm going to pretty much build on, on that weekend, kind of pull it all together, and then have a few extra uh, comments. Um, so our job uh, with, and our mission for uh, See Jesus is just to equip the church uh, to see and reflect the beauty of Jesus. It's that, it's that simple. Uh, in other words, we just want to equip the church to love like Jesus. And we do that by staying in the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And then all of our teaching really involves really taking our time to slowly, deliberately, carefully read through the Gospels and try to discern patterns of Jesus' behavior, what we see as we go through those four Gospels, and also just individual stories, little vignettes in his life to help us by observing to know Jesus better. And through that, to love better. And so um, that's, that's how we do it. And it's, the, emphasis is, the emphasis is on the person of Jesus as opposed to the acts of Jesus. So I first met Paul Miller 20 years ago, right here at Grace Covenant, and um, uh, he had uh, just uh, been on sabbatical and had written this study, the Person of Jesus study. And he wrote it because before he went on sabbatical, he had um, he realized he didn't love his wife, Jill. He loved her a lot, but he didn't love her well. <laughs> There's a difference. And so. Uh, he went on sabbatical and just spent that whole time uh, writing the person's materi- uh, person Jesus' material and just his prayer that whole time was, Jesus, help me love like you. And then he kind of simplified that, Jesus, um, show me what love is. And um, there's a our network magazine is back on the back table, if you think about it, grab it. Because he, uh, Paul writes in that network magazine Kind of an introduction as to why he really fell in love with Jesus and what is so beautiful about just knowing the person of Jesus. And I'm just going to take two paragraphs from that just to kind of set the the stage this morning. And um, Paul writes, what better place to learn to love than to study the person of Jesus? During the sabbatical, I slowly read through the Gospels and watched how Jesus lived as a person. What I saw changed my life. Even though, as a son of a seminary professor and his dad taught at Westminster, I had grown up in a world rich with good theology. I had very little sense of what Jesus was like as a person. What I knew of him was doctrine. I had missed the beauty of him as a person. I noticed how raw and big Jesus' emotions were, how much space he left for people, how well he listened, how his body language and who he looked at were so often outside the box. I often find myself in quiet wonder, marveling at this man and wanting to know him more. Simply put, I fell in love with Jesus. Paul continues, and he says, In many churches today, the only place where systematic study of Jesus takes place is in children's Sunday school. We talk of spiritual formation, but we forget to look at the one man who was perfectly formed, whose handling of emotion, truth, righteousness, and compassion was without sin. My hope behind See Jesus in everything I write has always been to share the most beautiful thing I have ever seen, Jesus. So Becky and I attended uh, one of Paul's seminars that we did here at at the church, uh, over at Eastover Plantation on the other side of the river. And then Paul spoke again here. Both my wife, Becky, and I just really fell in love with the material and with, with Paul Miller and his teaching. So what we do is just take a very slow, deliberate, Careful look at the Gospels, and then just pray that we'll fall in love with Jesus. And we do. So, we're going to look for a few minutes to just w- at one simple pattern that we see running through all four Gospels. And you see it over and over again, but if you've never really looked for it before, you may have, you may have missed it. And so, we'll start with Matthew 9 35 38, which is our text uh, for this morning. Matthew 9, 35, 38. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every affliction. And when he saw the crowds, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. So we're going to start with the, the first point I'd like to make, which is when he saw the crowds. Just beginning with sin. When Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, and that's what led him to ministry. And um, I have a, or our family has a border collie, uh, border collie named Addie. I live with my daughter and her husband and their children, and I have an apartment downstairs. And we did that when we left her in, in 2006 when Becky had cancer, and she sensed a pass. But uh, Addie keeps me company during the day, and she's a sheep uh, herder, and she's trained to see and to herd and she watches me carefully all day long. And uh, she knows when I get my jacket out, her may go for a walk. And she's pretty smart, because we keep our vacuum cleaner in the garage, and on the day when the maids come, which is once a month, my daughter takes the vacuum cleaner and puts it in the living room. Well, Addie's caught on, that means the maids are coming. That means I'm probably gonna be put in my box for the day, and I don't like that and so she runs out of the house and stays in the back side of the yard so we can't get her so that she won't even come close because she knows those mates are coming but she also plays ball and i'm at the bottom of the stairs she's in the landing and then i'll throw the balls up to her and she'll catch it but we'll usually have about six balls at the foot of tells you something about in my apartment but we usually have six balls there at the bottom of the stairs and she's watching those balls very very intently. and so when If I pick up a ball that she's not particularly interested in, I'll throw it up to her, and it'll just bounce off her nose or off her head. She won't even flinch, because she's waiting for that particular ball. And every time I do that, I say, you know what? That's how Jesus looks at me, (laughs) with that same intensity. You know, that same love for Bob as Eddie has for the ball. (laughs) I know that's not a very good correlation, (laughs) but, but that's how she looks at me. That's how she's concerned for me. And so every time I look at Addie, I think, hmm, that's how Jesus looks. So we don't do as well when we go with Addie to the compassion area. She's all, it's all about Addie. But, and so the, the, the second area we're going to come to in this story is compassion. And listen to this. When Jesus saw the crowds, the see, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And so all the emotions in the scriptures that are used to describe Jesus, number one by far, is compassion. Always speak of his compassion. You see it in many different forms. Sometimes my heart went out. uh, In spirit he loved. And just over and over again we see this relationship between seeing and compassion. And we see the empathy of of Jesus and so I said again he says traveling let me just repeat that when he saw the crowds he had compassion on them because they harassed and helpless so I'm just going to give you three just really quick examples of wherever where we see this theme in, in Scripture but it's really obvious once you pick it out in the story of the widow of Nain when Jesus approaches the the funeral that's leaving the town there's a there's a funeral of several hundred people and the widow mother is following the funeral, and Jesus sees her. It says very clearly, sees it Jesus, and then it said he had compassion on her. In the story of the rich young uh, ruler, we see it again. It says Jesus looked at him, and he loved him. Then the story of Lazarus, the raising of Lazarus. When he saw her, that is Mary, when he saw her weeping, and the Jews who came with her also weeping. He was deeply moved in spirit. You see that theme over and over again. This is the problem. We tend to block our heart in compassion. when we see it, we block our hearts. And the story of the, uh, of the Good Samaritan addresses this. You know, you have the priest and the Levite. They very consciously move to the side of the road and pass by. They make a conscious decision. But scripture says, both pass by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came to the, where the man was and when he saw him, he took pity. On him. So, the Samaritan, unlike the other two, he has compassion and he doesn't block it, but he enters into the story. And that's how Jesus enters in. Again, we go back to our verse this morning. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them. Why? Because they were helpless and harassed like sheep without a shepherd. So that's one, same, with compassion. Now we move to the third, which is helping. Now there's a response to Jesus. And this is what what the scripture says. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their villages, and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every disease and affliction. Why? Because he'd seen and he had compassion. So Jesus ministers to both their spiritual needs and their physical needs. And then he ends it with a call, a call to all of us. And he says the harvest is plenty, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the Harvest to send out laborers for the harvest. And for me, this can be the most difficult part of the whole equation. Seeing compassion are great, but compassion without helping, like faith without works, it really means nothing. So, let me let me tell you what happened today. I, in in 2011, I got involved in, in going to Guatemala on on mission trips. Uh, I've gone now every year since 2010, uh, at least once a year. And I always take our our church down. Well, our first trip was 2011, and we went to a small town called Santiago Zamora outside of Antigua, Guatemala, and we just did an eyeglass ministry. We had all these glasses, and we had people lined up and we were giving them uh, reading glasses. And that was pretty much basically the ministry. It was a mercy ministry. And then when I go, I always teach person Jesus. So a lady came to me, a Mayan woman, and she was from a neighboring uh, village, and she'd walked over, and she said, uh, I don't need glasses, but um, I've got a toothache. What can you do for a toothache? So, <laughs> I, We didn't have any dentists with us, and I didn't know what to do, so I said, uh, well... Uh, do you ever have a dentist come to your village? He says, yes, about once a week. And I said, well, why don't you go to the dentist? She said, I don't have any money. And I said, well, how much money would it cost to get your toothpaste? In this case, pulled. And she said, 80q, Q, excuse me. That's about $10 US. That's about enough money to buy a Big Mac and fries and a <laughs> coat. You know? I said, well, I had, by this time I had gotten to know her a little bit. and I. It kind of moved me, and I said, "Okay, here." I, I gave her a tiny little bit for me, ten dollars or 80, 80 kisalis, and I I didn't think anything of it. That was the other. One. It was about a, I think it was a Wednesday. So Friday comes along, we're back in the village, and lo and behold, this woman comes back, and she comes up to me, and she shows this big empty space in her mouth, and she's all smiles, and she says, "Just want to thank you. Just want to thank you for helping me get my tooth pulled," and here it is. And here's the change. <laughs> sort of. I mean, I couldn't believe it. it and it's just something happened at that moment. It just moved me. It was an epiphany experience. And I and I realized why I was there. It was just uh, um, not to save the world. Just, just to share the love of Jesus in any little way. It was nothing to write home about. It was I didn't even realize the moment how profound that was to me until I reflected on it later. But it just. It was just that sing, that simple little sing, feeling compassion, and then being in a position where I could do something to help her out. Something that was very small for me. And so that's changed how I do mission trips. I, I lead the mission trips down there every year. I do them for See Jesus, and I do some for for um, our church. And so this is what I do now. While we're when, we, when we're getting ready to go, we have a monthly meeting beforehand, and I always use the same thing our theme is seeing feeling compassion and helping so i start teaching these personal jesus lessons while we're still training the team and then I, I just ask the team when we go down i really want you to pray about this i really want this to be experience for you and for all of us and i want you to just be aware of what's going on around you i want you to look actively look like that and then I want you to just open up your heart to feel compassion, and then we're going to see where we're going to minister. So we always go down with, with projects that we have already planned for us, and we know what we're going to do and the money we're going to spend. But then on Thursday night or Friday night before we leave, we all get together, and we just have a prayer time. And we just lift up all the needs we see down there during the week, we pray about it. And then we listen down, and then we decide, well, we can do this, we can do that. And it, what this amounts to is leaving our money behind for the missionaries to do these things. But it's just a really, really beautiful time. It's beautiful for the people we minister to, and it's just wonderful for our teams. And we've done this now for, for many, many years. So <laughs> in, in the case of the lady in Guatemala with the Mayan woman, it, it was really easy. I mean, it was so obvious, but it's not always, it sounds like such a simple lesson, doesn't it? You know, see, compassion? good, that's it. I could go sit down now. But it's not always that easy, so. Every spring, I start to get a little spiritually sensitive. Now it's not supposed to work this way, but it does. I begin to think about our mission trip, and I'm training the team. So what happens to Bob? Bob gets a little more spiritually sensitive himself, and my radar goes out, and I start looking around the community and say, what can I be doing, or what you know, what do I see today? So I was about two weeks ago. I was in Chipotle's restaurant and uh, ordering dinner for myself. My daughter, Elizabeth, her husband, Doug, and the kids, and so I had a big, long order. It was crowded. I went in. got in line, and a lady came up behind me, and she was... Um, I would say she was... I, I live in an upper-class community. It's a, it's a Washington suburb, Percival County, it, it, most people are fairly well-to-do, And she was not poor by any means, but she was, she was obviously working class. And she engaged me in a conversation. She was the one that initiated, it. and we started talking about our day and you know this and that. Just and then how, then it got to how much we like Chipolles, and uh, she said, "Yeah, I love Chipolles because when I come here, I can get a dinner, you know, cut it in half, and have it for two days." So that's kind of interesting. And then the Lord just spoke to me, or somebody spoke to me, anyway. I said, "I'm supposed to buy dinner for this this woman." So really wanted to do that but I looked at her and I said if I buy dinner for her she's gonna think I'm just so, she's some poor woman it's gonna be I'm gonna be, be depreciating her besides that she's black and she's gonna think I make this option because she's black she's poor she needs a handout so I had this this tension you know I think God's calling on the one hand and you know, I'm thinking it through on the other and so all going to the line oh shall I or Shannon what shall I do what shall I do what shall I do it was hard and so I really wrestled and I thought and I prayed about it, mostly thought about it. <laughs> I wish I'd prayed about it whatever they did But anyway, the so last minute I said, I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna buy our dinner. So I told him, the guy at the counter, Oh you know, I want you to pay I'm gonna pay for the lady behind me, and that was fine. And so I knew I was I was really uncomfortable with it, so I, I'm just gonna get my dinner, I'm just gonna just go out the door and I'll be gone. And then the telephone rang, it was my daughter, Elizabeth, she said, I want you to buy one more dinner. Which meant I had to go back and get in line. <laughs> so I got back and I got live. And then I was I was watching the lady and the you know, the clerk of the thing and they were going back and forth and she I could see her pull out her wallet and he was making noise. And he went over at right me <laughs> I said, like, oh, no. And she said, God bless you. <laughs> I just shouted <laughs> it out across the pulleys. So I said, you know what? I got it right that time. So <laughs> you don't always get it right, but it was a real blessing to me to be able to do that. But um, there was a, there's a tension there in, in helping. And it's not as simple as it, as it sounds. You know, when we were here, we did uh, Henry Blackaby's study on experiencing God. That was a wonderful study and he focuses on God's leading. And his, move, his point is, when God speaks, you move, you know? You don't sit around, most of them sit around and don't do it. So that, that's very much on my mind all the time. And then so I, I, I kind of left the restaurant and said, oh gosh, I don't, you know, I know I did it and she liked it, but was it really right even to wrestle with this? But should I have just gone and done it? And then I went home and, and uh, I read The Golden Rule. And this is what it says, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And that, like saying, feeling compassion and doing, that that seems pretty simple too. But when you really think about it, it really takes a little more, because what they're saying is, listen to this, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. So what do you have to do first? You gotta think about it. You gotta pray about it. That's That's the second part. What would you, to have them do unto you, then you do unto others. You just don't rush out and doesn't do it. And so there's a there's a natural tension there. And I say, well, how do you figure these things out? Is, is there a rule book? You know, we don't have these lists of principles. And and I, and I just became convinced, just knowing Jesus, it's, it's that simple. And we might get it right sometime, and we're not gonna. And we might get it wrong. But Jesus said that He does nothing. He, this is what He said. I tell you the truth. The son can do nothing by himself. He can only see what he sees the father doing. Because whatever the father does, the son also does. So that really spoke to me. Because as Jesus sees what the father doing, I really want to study Jesus. I want to know Jesus. I want to know what Jesus is doing. And so it's not simple. But it's rewarding and I think it's glorifying to God. So it's just um, just my own personal struggle. So I came away thinking, well, it was okay to wrestle a bit, and uh, in this case, it came out just fine, and I hope it does it many, many more times, but I might blow it some. So then this is the bottom line. We have seeing, feeling, compassion, doing, and so if you place all three together, you could, what's, what kind of a word could you come up to describe that? So... In our study, we come up with the word incarnation. That we have the grand incarnation, where Christ comes down, or as a child lives among us. And that. But incarnation—the word incarnation means in the flesh, Christ with us. And so that means when I relate to, to Dalton or Brenda, I relate to them in the flesh. I really want to know them. I want to—I want to be a part of them. I wanna walk in their, in their shoes. And I think that's what God is calling us to do. And I think to do that, you can't do it by a robot, as helpful as that is. But the bottom line is, it's just knowing Christ, watching Christ, it's the evidence. So I really, really try <laughs> best I can, all the successfully sometime, just to walk in his shoes. So it takes a lot, it takes wisdom, it takes prayer, it takes just focus. But that's that's what I think God is calling all of us to do. And so um, April twelfth, I, re, I read a, a blog every day by Dr. Jim Dennison. Uh, uh, if you know him? He's a he's a Baptist pastor out of Dallas Theological Seminary, and he writes a daily blog called the Daily Article. But um, he wrote this one uh, just on uh, April twelfth. And it's about Father Joseph Davian who is a Catholic priest who served in Hawaii in the 1800s. And his, although he's a priest, this is really interesting, his statue is in, in the um, National Sanctuary Hall in, in the U.S. Uh, Capitol building. You know they have that hall where all the states have their, like, their favorite sons. And they have a Catholic priest there. And um, he represents Hawaii. And this is what uh, Dr. Dennison says. He says, perhaps you know the story of Joseph Damien. A Belgian priest, he was sent in 1873 uh, uh, to minister to lepers in Hawaii. And as soon as he arrived, he began to build friendships with the residents of the, of the uh, labor co- uh, colony there, uh, leper colony there. But they rejected him. And he built a small chapel, and he held regular services, but nobody came. So he stayed there for 12 years. After 12 years, Father Damien gave up. While standing on the pier about to board the ship that would take him home to Belgium, he looked down at his hands, And the white spots he saw there could mean only one thing, that he had contacted leprosy. So instead of going home, he returned to his work in the leper company. News of the missionary's disease spread quickly through the community, and soon hundreds of lepers rushed to his hut. They understood his pain and his despair. So the following Sunday, when Father Damien arrived at the chapel, the building was filled to overflowing, and thus began a long and fruitful ministry. And then Dr. uh, Dennison writes, "What, What made the difference? And this is his response. The lepers knew that their minister understood their condition. They knew that he cared about them, that he could identify with them, and that he was, in fact, one of them. So this is how we're called to reflect the life of Jesus. To look, feel compassion, help, Walk in their shoes. He was one of them. Amen.